Adoption and expensive, two words that do not always belong together. There are 120,000 children in the United States that are waiting for a forever family, and adopting through this option is extremely affordable. I'm Marcy Bursack, an adoptive mom of a sibling pair, and also the author of The Forgotten Adoption Option. Twice monthly, I will interview people like adoptive parents and adopted children who've been touched by foster care adoption. My goal is to find more forever families and increase awareness about foster care adoption. Because if it were you or me, we would want someone to do this for us. Welcome to the Forgotten Adoption Option podcast. Today I'm going to interview an adoptive grandpa who also happens to be my dad. Hi, Grandpa Bob. Hi, how are you doing? So excited to have you on. This is great. It's like one of the coolest things to do during a pandemic is to be able to interview on the phone. Just to speak to your family in general. I'm really excited and, and honored to be your guest this evening. I do want to share my experience and hopefully offer some insight to those people out there. Well, I think it's going to be a great perspective. So with that, I wanted to bring you on the show because foster care adoption impacts relationships with biological and adoptive parents, as well as their immediate and extended families. I think sometimes we can overlook kind of the ripple effect of that. And so with no further ado, I'm excited for everyone to hear my dad's perspective. So Grandpa Bob, let's start with what was it like welcoming new children into your family who might only join the family temporarily? Well, first of all, I, I come from a large family. I have seven siblings, and there's dozens of children among those seven seven siblings. I, I do enjoy making acquaintances, whether they're adults or children. I really like kids. I think they're quite refreshing. I was a little bit apprehensive about meeting children, didn't know what to expect um, as far as I didn't know what their expectations were. I felt like we were both kind of on on uh, on probation with each other. So, you know, we're kind of feeling each other out. But I I felt that I gave them an opportunity to speak and not put them under uh, interrogation, in other words. I, and I really enjoyed the experience of meeting them. Because I think you even may have met a kiddo that we did respite care for, too. So you kind of had a little bit of dose of these things a couple of times. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you what, my generation of, I mean, I didn't grow up in my childhood experiencing a lot of, um, I didn't know friends that were in foster care. Even a blended or a single parent family was a, a real exception rather than the rule. But I, I mean, today's world, you know, it's often non-biological children in relationships. And in fact, my marriage, I married a, a woman who had a child by a previous marriage. And, you know, I embraced that child as my own too. And I think it's it's much more common today. Where you see more of that blended feel. Sure. So maybe those experiences had, had you ready. Because one of the things that I remember most about going through this with you, well, two things. One, I remember I would call you and we would have the most interesting kind of behavioral psychology discussions where I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And you would just kind of let me process. But what I also remember in our 18 month journey between like fostering on paper, my kids and then adopting them was just how much you felt you made them feel like they were part of the family from from the gate. And so that to me, like 
spoke volumes and is really something I think is an interesting perspective to share because I think some people, when you bring someone new into the family, you kind of have to pay your dues or kind of earn that trust and that love. And, and you've always been someone, even in college, you would say, oh, bring friends home for, for Thanksgiving or just what, you know, bring them in for whatever. And so I've always been welcome to invite people you've never met before to different holiday gatherings. So with that, before you had grandchildren who were adopted through foster care, how did you think foster care and foster care adoption worked? I had a, a general idea based on some experience. I, I knew people my age that had been through foster care, but it was, it was more of a, um, as I interpreted it, a case of, of that I felt that they were unwanted children and, and they, had, they had some issues because they felt they'd been abandoned by their biological parents and generally had lived in a life of foster care where they went from one family to another, to another, to another. And there wasn't a permanency. And that's what I kind of thought might be the problem. And that would be really frustrating for a child and reflective on their, on their, their own behavior too. I know it's, it's frustrating and it's on, on the adoptive parent to have people going back and forth and, and never a sense of permanency. So you thought it was more kids that were kind of voluntarily given up by their biological families and kind of given to other people to take care of. Exactly. That more of like an orphan type situation where they didn't have a relationship with their biological parents or family. That's interesting because that's it's it's quite different. Right. But you're right, because the evolution of foster care was created because orphanages like a group living space for multiple kids in foster care they did several studies and I talk a little bit about this in my book the forgotten adoption option is there there were just some behavioral kind of consequences for these kids and there are many modern day orphanages in other countries that still have struggles with kids really bonding and connecting because they're not with kind of a, a family unit and so foster care came into our society as a way to remedy the, the effects, the negative effects of this group home situation. So I can see where you got there, but it's interesting to hear reality versus what you were thinking. I learned that, that you know, the government agencies do intervene on and advocate for the best, the best situation for the child. And it's a long, tedious, and as you experience, it can be a frustrating experience, but so rewarding yeah, definitely a roller coaster. So something I think is really interesting is your family, right? Because you mentioned that you come from a very large family. I have a ton of cousins. I think there's like 50 something of us on one side of the family. But I'm curious what kinds of questions and conversations that you had with family and friends about these new children joining your family? What kinds of things were you asked? Well, it, it ranged. Um, you know, I have several siblings that, that were ready, more than willing to embrace any efforts and anybody that we brought into the home. I think my, my feeling, and I think most of my family, is that you're, you're given an opportunity to know and love so few people in life that if you have an opportunity to meet and know someone and be able to love them, seize that opportunity because there's so few, so few opportunities to do that. So I think that's where my family was generally. Some of them expressed concern. You know, they were concerned about like what, what they called emotional baggage and situations that came with the child, whether they were unmanageable or I think that's, that's been portrayed in TVs and movies and books and stuff like that. That I think um, that can be handled by an adoptive parent that, that is actually dedicated to being a parent. That's, that's not a real issue. 
That's quite fascinating. You know, I remember, and maybe it was the last Christmas party we had with your mom. So my grandma and my kid's great grandma. And I don't know that they were adopted yet. I think they weren't because I think it was our first Christmas together. And I remember one of your siblings came up and we're sitting at these like square tables, four people per table. And I have a family of four. So my family's at a square table and he comes over and he says, so are they related? And I remember being like, I think what you're trying to ask me is if they're biological siblings. I think that's what you're trying to say, but it was just, it's things like that, that, you know, I wasn't thinking about any of anyone ever asking that question. Cause I was so used to being in the middle of what I was in the middle of, but for somebody who this was a, a niece or nephew in such a large family, I could see where some of those questions arise. Yeah. Well, uh, actually adoption is, um, is in my family too. I mean, there's, as you know, now you several of your cousins, not several, but a few of your cousins have gone the adoption route too. Some through agencies and some through, through foster care. They've all been successful and, and you've been very successful. Yeah, you're right. There are several cousins that have adopted privately. And I don't, I think we were the first to adopt older kids, like older than a baby. Right. Other, the ones I'm yeah, never adopted as babies. Other yeah. than infants. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think in today's world, it's um it's a real entertainable and, and very good option for people. I mean, you know, especially with people delaying, I guess, parenting to later, you know, when you have your career or whatever, and you, you're ready and and committed to being a parent where it isn't thrust upon you and, and sink or swim. It's that you've jointly made a decision or independently made a decision to become a parent. And that that's, you know, the, that committing yourself to that is a big deal, I think, as far as being successful. And say more about that. Why is that a big deal? Well, I think, you know, in past, well, and that's part of the reasons you find killed people in or kids in foster care is that maybe that they were, they entered life in a situation where people weren't prepared and weren't committed and weren't able physically or, or emotionally or whatever to care for them. Where if, you, if you've made that decision, you decided that yes, you're committed to that, and then that that's going to be your your uh, your primary your goals. Your goals are going to be different. Sure, yeah. Because instead of saying, "Oh, whoops, I had a kid," or "I'm going to try to juggle it," we kind of knew what we sort of were getting into, and so yeah, it was a, a mutual decision. Well, I hate to use the term about being planned parenthood because it it's not related to that organization, but it is is a type of planned parenthood where you have decided to become a parent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and especially because our, our story uniquely is one of choosing, right? That we, we weren't looking for a route to expand our family size due to infertility or other things that we were struggling with. For us, it was really, we wanted to help. And so we were looking for ways to be helpful. And because of Nathan's grandpa being orphaned and never adopted, we were like, we need to help kids like that, that are maybe a bit older, that would be just like Grandpa Sam. So that one of the things that I think is really unique for you is that you went through respite care training. And in my holiday special edition podcast, I mentioned that respite is a great way to put your toe in the water if you're considering foster care, foster care adoption. And essentially you do a short online training and then you can be kind of a temporary provider for folks that are foster parents. So if they're caring for one, two, however many kids, you can help out for one to 14 days, take them into your care. And that's something that Nathan and I wanted to go on an anniversary trip. 
And so we asked if you would do that because like, well, you're they're their grandpa. And so, but it was funny because like biologically, we'd never have to say, dad, can you go through this training so you can watch your grandkids? But you had to because legally where they were. Do you remember what that training was like? Because I think you were one of the first to use at the time what was like an updated online training. Well, at first I thought, okay, this is just a useless formality and I'll, I'll do it because you have to check off that box. But I found it extremely educating and, and necessary. It, what it demonstrated to me was that social services and, and the state and whoever, you know, the adoption service was involved in this and they were in the, doing things in the best interest of the child. And they made me aware of the services and all the things that they've made available for the children and for me to make this a successful, a successful venture. And it really, I was impressed at everything, you know, you got to, to learn all the legal, legal eagle stuff about what you had to do, what you couldn't do, what you could do. But that showed me that they had some rules and regulations and that was for protection and advocacy of the child. Was there anything specific in that training? Cause you mentioned kind of learning like what kinds of supports were there for the kids and how the system worked. Was there anything there that you remember being like, I had no idea. Well, I, I had no idea that, that how much uh, as far as like health service or, you know, healthcare and, and all those things that were provided, there were easy avenues to, to, to obtain all that stuff. I didn't, you know, and then it was all set up and it, all, everything was provided for. So it, you know, that sad, or it made me feel much more comfortable in that if I got into a situation, here's, it was already spelled out as to what my course of action should be. It's fascinating. Well, kind of building on that. So you get training, Nathan and I go to, I don't know, some city in Missouri for anniversary weekend. And I remember you called me well, and maybe I was checking in with you. Somehow we were on the phone. And at the time, our kids were still in foster care. So there was a lot going on around them that was just their their life right now at the time. And I remember you were saying some things they were sharing with you just about what they remember experiencing and what they had gone through. And you seemed really surprised. And I remember we talked a long time about that. And I'm wondering if you can recall, like, how did you handle them talking about their biological environment and how did that make you feel to kind of have to experience that and help them go through that? Well, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy children and I, and I had the advantage of being like the third party or, you know, in other words, they weren't my kids. So I could befriend these kids. You know, there was somebody else's kids. They were your kids as far as I was concerned. Then. But I mean, I could become their friend. So I didn't pressure them with, feelings, you know, questions about their feelings. I, I tried to be their friend and just talk about my feelings about things. And then they express feelings, their their personal feelings about things, you know, and we got real comfortable with each other. And I really, I was pleased that that happened, but that, you know, I would do that with, I do that in general with people anyway, I think I, I'm personable. I think it's, it's kind of like I said earlier, I, I love kids and I feel that you have an opportunity to, to get to know someone, to to share with them, maybe to influence them for the better, you know, and, and let them influence you too. I mean, it's a two-way street. They can have an impact on you too. And your kids have had an impact on me too. We're, we're comfortable with each other and they've accepted me and I've accepted them. And, and I, that's a big deal to me. I, You know, I was worried as much about their acceptance of me as, as I'm sure they were about me accepting them. 
So say more about how they've impacted you because they are listeners of this podcast. So what would you, what would you tell them that they've, how they've impacted you? Well, they've, they've inspired me in a lot of ways to, uh, to try new things, to, um, to stick. I don't know. They're, they've become very stable individuals. I think I, I don't know. They communicate really well. And that, that kind of inspires me, but I, I'll, I'll take, I'll take some credit. You should too for for that ability because they feel comfortable enough to express their feelings to, to both of us. Absolutely. Well, and especially having the vocabulary and the 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 place, the safety of knowing, hey, you can say anything. Like, just it's okay to share, and you're not judged. And so, yeah, you've definitely you've modeled that to me, and my kids, as a result, have gotten that modeled from both of us. I always had an idea that I'd be a parent, but I never knew it would be such a rewarding experience. And at the same time, it is a purpose in life. It gives you a purpose in life that you didn't know you had. <laughs> and and the, the expression about living vicariously through your children. I'm so proud of you and, and Nathan. You know, I, I always, I'm a child of the 60s, so I wanted to change the world. And I realized that I can change part of I can change my part of the world, and and you guys are doing the same thing. And then your kids will go forward with that same attitude. I think that make the world a better place for them being in it. I fully agree, and that's something that even even in writing our story down in a book to help other people know how to do it, how to adopt through foster care. We had a family discussion, and you know my kids are now nine and eleven. And ask them, like, are you okay with your photo being on the back cover? Are you okay with some of these media hits, like you being in the pictures? And it was such a sweet moment when I think it was Aiden said, well, mom, is it going to help another kid? Like, yeah, but like it's supposed to lead to other kids getting adopted. Then you should absolutely do that. And just that maturity, but also just the gift of themselves to say, I realize that my story isn't one that I like, neither of my children has really shared it with their, their classmates or other circles that they're in, but they're like, but I see how this can make a difference for others. And so I think now's the time to start being more of a, of an advocate in that way. Well, I, so I think you should pat yourself on the back a little bit there too. I, I mean, what you're obviously, you can measure your success by that because your kids have obviously learn to love and accept love and to share, to want to share it with someone else. Right. Right. Which is such a sweet gift. Okay. So as we wrap up dad, that was such a sweet section. So thank you for all of those thoughts and kind words. Knowing what you know now, how has it changed your perspective on the role of foster care in our society? Well, after watching you and and Nathan's experience, I've, I've uh, learned that you got to wade through the obstacles because it's it's a long it could be a long and tedious road for you and the children, but it's it's so rewarding and and I, I think as far as as you as a couple too, you guys sharing that experience only only makes your family even stronger, you know, or even more of a family or whatever, where you you both really have to commit to the experience. Because, like I said, it, it I, what I what my impression now is that right. So it requires patience, and and a a spirit that you have to keep alive within yourself. But but as you can attest, the reward is so great. It's it's so worth every every tear and every anxious moment that you spent. 
Yeah. And I would hope that I would agree with you, even if we didn't get to adopt our kids, you know what I mean? That it's like, we made such a conscious choice to let our hearts love whether or not that was for a while or for a lifetime or what that was. And this has been so fun. I'm glad that my listeners can get a glimpse of my incredible dad and hear how a different perspective in the family, how this affected you and, and how they can do it too. So thanks for being on the show, dad. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with, with a word too, that the, you know, we're all on a mission in life and uh, consider this one of yours and one of mine and, uh, and how we measure our life, it's success and failures. And, and, you know, the, the fact that you can, you can bring love into someone's life and, and, and parent successfully is really a good measure of who you are. It's a great way to make a difference in the world. That's for sure. Well said. Thanks for being on dad. Hey, I love you. As a listener of the forgotten adoption option podcast, you are helping raise awareness about foster care adoption and the 120,000 children who are waiting for a forever family. You can also help raise awareness by leaving a review, subscribing, sharing, talking about, and liking this podcast. If you'd like more information on adopting a child or sibling set through the foster care system, visit my website, forgottenadoptionoption.com. There you will find out how to get started, and you can even order a copy of my book, The Forgotten Adoption Option, which will guide you through the entire process, and it is available in paperback, audio, and ebook. I welcome you to reach out with questions, comments, and your own story. I would love to hear if you're signing up for training or where you are in the adoption process. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search for Marcy Bursack. Thank you for tuning in, caring, and sharing, because every child deserves a family.